Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, more on Australian bushfires, their impact and how you can help. California winery, Bonnie Doon, sold to War Room Ventures. UK off-trade sales fall over Christmas period. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. So first for our weekend wine, and as most of you in the wine world and beyond can relate to, we've hit the ground running in 2020. Now that everyone is back from the holiday, it seems that the industry is all abuzz with planning for events and tastings that will unfold over the next couple of months. So I thought it would be good to highlight some of the upcoming wine trade events that we recommend you keep your eyes on. Starting out, uh, we have Millicime Bio, uh, which is from January 27th to 29th in Montpellier, and it's a world organic wine fair. Uh, kind of a level playing field for all producers. There's no regional booths, etc. Everyone has the same stand. So it's more about quality of the liquid, price points, etc. And not so much about power of promotion. I attended in 2013 and it was really interesting. So it'd be good to know how it's developed over the last few years. I have to f- say I don't follow these events too closely. And I will be arriving in Montpellier the day after that finishes, coincidentally enough. Next is Export 2020 on February 18th, the California Wine Global Export Conference, which is hosted by the California Wine Institute. And we'll be featuring a keynote by Jancis Robinson, MW, and wine writer Elaine Chacon Brown, who will present perspectives on Cal- California wine in the global marketplace and dynamic changes facing the world's wine industry today followed by breakout sessions where winery representatives can learn more about specific export markets, how they differ, and what it takes to be successful. And then on the 27th of February, also here in California, is the Innovation Plus Quality event, which is hosted by Wine Business Monthly each year. Also known as IQ. Yes, people like to abbreviate. And this year will be held at a new venue, the Culinary Institute of America at Greystone in St. Helena in Napa Valley, California. For all winemakers and students of wine, this is a great technically focused event that centers on wine trials. So winemakers are invited to share and pour the results, which is a great opportunity for producers to learn from their peers and for others in the industry to discover what is cutting edge in the world of winemaking and viticulture. And I've attended this event before, and it is very technical, but if you really want to get into the details of winemaking and equipment and what is happening, the latest trends, it really is a very good event to go to. Vinexpo New York will take place March 2nd to 3rd and will feature producers from all over the world, including many exhibitors introducing products to the North American market for the first time. Vinexpo also takes place in Paris, uh, February 10th to 12th, Hong Kong, May 26th to the 28th, Shanghai, October 21st to the 23rd, and then in Bordeaux, where the event was started originally uh, in 2021. Interesting that it's coming to New York in the midst of all these tariff talks that people in the wine industry can't stop talking about because it's going to be a huge threat to the wine industry in the US. And then going to the UK, another country which has an interesting economic situation, there's One Step Beyond um, on the 4th of March, which is hosted by um, our good friend and colleague Richard Siddle of The Buyer, um, a premium on-trade publication uh, based in the UK. Together with partners, the Wine and Spirit Trade Association and Jumpstart, the event aims at addressing consumer insights, trends and changes in spending behaviour that is being driven by new technology. Then, of course, Provine, which is March 15th to the 17th in Dusseldorf, as we discussed last week on the pod. 
And other iterations of this event is ProVine or ProWine Asia in Singapore, April 1st to the 3rd, and ProWine China in Shanghai, November 10th to the 12th, which I also hope to attend. The one in Dusseldorf will be my first ever ProVine. be interesting to see how that goes. And then in April, from the 19th to the 22nd, there's Vin Italy, which you have been to before, Katie. Yes, I went in 2013, but since then, I think I've seen it improve by leaps and bounds under the leadership of Managing Director Stevie Kim. Uh, When I attended back in 2013, it was still a bit messy in the mix of consumers and trade. There was your odd drunk consumer trying to ride the statues and such. And I'm sure all the trade folk were sober. Oh, of course, always professional. But now the event includes all sorts of different initiatives that cater to different subsets of the industry. So there's something for everyone. Uh, The event has really set the bar as well in the way of how it's embraced digital marketing and social media to communicate to its global audience. And then finally, a a staple for the wine industry is the London Wine Fair, May 18th to the 20th. So lots of events to put on the calendar. Yes, and we'll be sure to clue you in on the second half of the year as well later on. So now on with the news. We reported last week on the pod on the devastating Australian bushfires, which at that point had consumed 6 million hectares of land. That figure has now risen to over 10 million hectares, with 27 people killed and a reported billion animals also dead. In terms of wine, the destruction is still being assessed with an estimated 1,500 hectares lost, about 1% of all plantings in the country. Particularly affected is Adelaide Hills, with 1,100 hectares, a third of all plantings, lost. The damage to wineries and the quality of grapes will take some time to be assessed, and there are many producers struggling through the remainder of the harvest and beyond. If you're a lover of Australian wine or just want to help in general, there are several ways you can contribute funds. Australian Red Cross, Adelaide Hills Wine Region Fire Appeal, Wires Wildlife Emergency Appeal, Salvation Army Disaster Appeal, and through Community Enterprise Foundation. In the UK, Gus Gluck, co-founder of Quality Wines, who used to work at Mac Forbes in Yarra Valley, held an online auction selling Australian wines, while importer Graft Wine is holding a dinner to raise funds specifically for Adelaide Hills Appeal. Well, it's great that the wine community internationally is coming together to support the Australian wine industry. But of course, it's the overall impact on Australia, its environment, its people and its culture that is of the greatest importance and concern. But um, so we give them all our support and help if we can. And so these different um, online methods of contributing will really help. Yes, I know. And speaking from California, where we've suffered our fair share of wildfires here affecting the wine industry and beyond, I think it's so important to show solidarity to our Australian friends who have now suffered much greater losses than we have in the last few years. So we encourage you to donate what you can. Bonnie Doon are one of California's legendary wineries, founded by the ever-quotable Randall Graham, who spearheaded the Roan Rangers campaign in the 1980s. This week, he officially announced the sale of the winery to War Room Ventures, who invest in and develop wine brands, including Lapis Luna. Bonnie Doon are based in Monterey, south of San Francisco, 
and are perhaps most famous for Le Cigar Volant, named after the flying saucer supposedly spotted in the 1950s in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, the region so inspirational to Graham's wines. Graham seems happy with the purchase, stating that, quote, Warm Room Ventures have affirmed that they are committed to making high-quality, soulful wines with minimal intervention. There will be changes, though, with the range of wines reduced from 15 to 4 in order to compete in a saturated market. Those four will be Le Cigar Volant, Le Cigar Blanc, Van Gris and Picpoul, with particular emphasis on Le Cigar Volant and Van Gris, Rosé being particularly fashionable right now. As for Graham, he'll be concentrating on a new project, Populuchum, a vineyard in San Benito County in which he is trying to develop a new grape variety suited to California and its soils. That just rolled off the tongue, Populuchum. Took me a long time to figure out how to pronounce that. But I have to confess, I was a little alarmed when I saw the headline that Bonnie Dune Vineyard sells. Uh, However, it seems that it's not selling out to one of the big corporations, rather someone who is truly committed to maintaining the quality and helping the brand develop. And I do think limiting the amount of SKUs is probably a good call in this market. Yes, the fact that he is now trying to develop a new grape variety um, kind of <laughs> suggests his personality and his interests, and in that he's not always commercially focused, but he has, does have a very interesting and productive mind. And so he has um, been struggling to maintain the kind of the integrity and the focus of Bonnie Dune in the light of increasing competition. Uh, Bonnie Dune is relatively small brand, thirty-five thousand case production, and these are sold in supermarkets like Whole Foods, and so there's a lot of competition at those price points, um, which I think he's found difficult to maintain that competitive focus. So maybe this new uh, venture will be able to do that while he does his own thing. Yeah, and hats off to Randall, because he, for all he's done for the Rhone Rangers and for Rhone grape varieties grown in California, because as Matthew and I agree, uh, there's huge potential with these great varieties and they make amazing wines. So we need more advocates than ever to really see these wines be pushed out and more people consuming them. Yeah. And qu- well, I say coincidentally enough, but I don't think it was a coincidence. But this morning I did a blind tasting and one of the wines was Le Cigar Volon from 2010. And um, it stood up really well, even though it's 10 years old. It's a little bit soft, a little bit faded, but it's definitely uh, maintaining its its quality and its style and showed that uh, California Rome blends can do very well. Mixed news from the UK, where off-trade sales grew slowly over the Christmas period, traditionally a time when retailers rely on increased sales. Research by Kentar, a data and insights company, showed that sales of sparkling wine fell by 8%, a style of wine always popular at Christmas, and one that is a good indicator of the health of the overall economy. Less expensive supermarkets like Lidl, Aldi, The Co-op, and Iceland saw good growth. Sales at Lidl were up 10.3%. The four supermarkets between them had a 13.7% share of the market, while Majestic reported 4.3% growth and their biggest selling day in their 40-year history on December 23rd, and an increase of 11% in Champagne sales and 32% in Cremant. In contrast, sales at Tesco and Waitrose fell. So some mixed figures there, some companies showing growth, others losses, overall decline in sparkling wine, but Majestic reporting significant growth in those categories. 
These figures are, of course, dependent on the overall health of the companies. Tesco has been struggling for some time, low-cost supermarkets have been benefiting at their expense, while Majestic have undergone a major restructuring. But overall, these figures indicate a struggling economy in which consumers are wary of spending, particularly on so-called luxury items such as sparkling wine, especially champagne. And so what 2020 brings with Brexit, we shall see. And now for our wine of the week, which is Matthew. Daniel, Grand Von Vineyard, Pinot Noir 2017 from Petaluma Gap. So this is a family wine of a friend and colleague, Honor Comfort, which I've long anticipated tasting. Her stepson, Daniel Fitzgerald, is the winemaker, and his father, Chris, designed the label, which clearly states Daniel in bold print across the really good-looking label, sort of a cross between traditional and modern. Daniel was not keen on using his name, but agreed to it when the, with the caveat that he could call all the shots when it came to winemaking. So as a result, each bottling has been a collaboration between winemaker, Daniel, and the grape grower, changing, of course, depending on the vineyard source. So the grower is invited to participate and taste during the winemaking process so that it is truly a joint effort and each bottle has both Daniel's and the grower's signature. This particular wine comes from the Grand Vant Vineyard, as Matthew stated, farmed by grower Drew Bouchley, which translates to strong wind, an apt name for this windy vineyard on the southern Sonoma coast in the Petaluma Gap AVA. And in addition to being very excited about the wine after tasting it, we thought it would tie in nicely as our wine of the week, since this week is the two-year anniversary of the Petaluma Gap AVA. Petaluma Gap is our backyard AVA as we live here in Petaluma, and is the newest AVA in Sonoma County, consisting of 200,000 acres or 81,000 hectares that extend from Sonoma County to northern Marin County and is characterized primarily by the fierce cool winds that come in off the Pacific Ocean and funnel through the gap in the mountains. These winds cause grapes to ripen later, thickening the skins in the process, and successful grape varieties are Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Syrah. The Petaluma Gap AVA is one of the few AVAs that really does make sense, so it's really welcome for it to uh, come in because it really is based on geography rather than politics and allows the vineyards in Marin County to be encompassed in the AVA because Marin County is not someone, it's not somewhere that people really know about. It's quite difficult to put it on the label. And, but we still haven't seen that many wines with Petaluma Gap on the label, even though I've tasted vineyards within the AVA that uh, people are still kind of working out how to put it on the label and market it. Keller Estate is probably one of the most well-known estate wineries located in Petaluma Gap and labels all of their wines as such. And they're one of the few wineries actually located here. A lot of producers are sourcing their fruit from vineyards located in Petaluma Gap, and it's something we're going to see on labels um, as we progress, but it's still a new thing. But I'm, I'm quite excited by it, and so that's why I was very intrigued by this wine that you brought home uh, the other day. An intriguing label as well, usually called Daniel. I was initially sceptical when I tasted it, as there was a stemmy stalkiness, which comes from some whole cluster fermentation. But it quickly blew off as we drank it to reveal a really balanced wine with a juicy, fruity core backed up by smooth tannins and very lively acidity. It just got more and more drinkable, and so it is very delicious, uh, but it's got great depth and concentration. It's not just a simple fruity wine, there's a real uh, 
concentration to it. And it does show that California isn't just about fruit-forward, voluptuous Pinot Noir, as the perception can be. And so this is a winery to look out for, as well as an AVA to look out for. This wine is part of a line of wines, including Chardonnays, Pinot Noir, and Syrahs uh, from all around Sonoma County. Yeah, look forward to trying some of those wines in the future. Cheers to that! So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. Cheerio! Cheerio!